Welcome to Folk and Beyond with Air Stephen for a journey into contemporary folk music from all over the planet. Hey there, this is Paul Carreri, and when I'm in Charlottesville, I like to turn on my radio and I do a little bop and a dance and also sometimes uh, occasionally a little drive and I think, wow, that's good. What's making those sounds? And oh yeah, it's 91.1 WTJU Charlottesville. Once upon a rooftop, you was cradling a crap guitar and stinking suspicion, let the man I know who I am. Then a shingle come loosely It sound like a Velcro Jesus You missed dinner that evening And you woke with the soul's thesis Doctor come feels flying out his eaves Thumbs on insurance papers Says autograph this man and drink these beers And enjoy yourself sooner than later Don't know what to tell you yeah, but that sure explains a lot Yeah, seems the last winner Yeah, I had what you got Yeah, I found myself burning a piece of French toast And soon anything that smelled of sweetness Oh, with the bell blue blared I lost that smoke and I ended up again some needed And that's when I bought this bowl Stephen with Paul Carreri at Paul Carreri's private studio. Welcome. Folk and Beyond on the road. Thanks for inviting me over, Paul. Oh, happy to. And there's a great big gig coming up in a great big theater. Indeed. Yeah. August 7th, we're having this sort of hometown release for uh, my newest record, which is called California, over there at the Jefferson Theater. That's kind of not even true anymore. What's that? That it's your newest record. 
Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> Actually, I just finished another one, an instrumental one that I did for a Discovery Channel soundtrack. And actually, I am recording a duet record with a gentleman named Dave Swarbrick from Fairport Convention in about three weeks, just over the course of two days. So Busy guy. Yeah, yeah currently. California got to be a bit convoluted on how it was released in the sense that I know that it's been around. I think I heard the first songs off of California about a year ago. Some of the first songs. And I think it came out in Europe sometime in late summer or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, our our label overseas released it, Tin Angel Records. And then it just, for a lot of boring reasons, took a long time for things to happen over here. And uh, there was a few business hiccups in there. (laughs) There was nothing boring about the first time you had California available. I don't did you have it available during the middle of one of our big snowstorm oh yeah no i didn't have it available then yeah that's right we uh the same band that's playing with me at the jefferson which is sam wilson on guitar todd wellens on drums those guys are from sons of bill and my buddy jonathan mills playing bass and one of a few other guests but those, that same band and i did a show over there at the southern in january on the night of that snowstorm <laughs> it was a huge storm it was unbelievable and you had a full house almost it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. It wasn't, no, the, the redo show was a full house. That first one was not that full. It seemed full. Maybe that was just because everybody that was there was mm-hmm. so pumped up because we were the people that said, we ain't let anything stop us. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> think anyone drove to that show. I think everyone walked. So. I drove. Oh, you did? Right. <laughs> I did. I was rescuing people. Because <laughs> I had the four-wheel drive. I figured you may as well do something with it. California has some incredible grooves on it, and it's a CD that you did by yourself. Yeah, this is my second in a row of me playing all the instruments here in this room, which uh, this studio is called Amanda's Old Room, because uh, Amanda used to live in this room, Amanda French. And um, ironically, this room is the very first time I ever met Danny Schmidt and the very first party I ever went to happened to be in this house um, which I didn't realize until we moved into this house so my first night out uh, I came to this house and in this room found Danny Schmidt passed out on the bed and I woke him up because I heard he was a guitar player and we passed the guitar back and forth as you can see everything is sort of within arm's distance. How did that piano fit in here? (laughs) It got stuck in the hallway, actually. And my brother got stuck on the far side of it in my bedroom. He couldn't get out. Uh, There's obviously pluses and minuses to recording all of the parts yourself. I'm not the absolute best drummer, but, you know, when I'm not on the clock, I can play it a lot of times until I get it right. And having things so close in arm's distance like this, it really allows you to move pretty quickly of trying to find the sound that you're looking for. I love working in here, although I think that having done two records, The Velvet Rut and California in here, I'd like to do something else because I think I'm getting a little comfortable in here and I might like to be nervous and on somebody's clock the next project well not the not the next project but the next next project yeah the instrumental record was done in here too what do you do and what you do don't do it anymore no i'm asking 
What do you do when what you do don't do it anymore? Said as say goodbye, it'd be unwise to go on The world really is an oyster for somebody like you. You know that's true. And what you wanna do? What do you do? When what you do, don't do it anymore. How many tracks are you working with? Well, I'm working here behind me on Nuendo, and so some of the tracks have 80 tracks, but some of them have five. How many different vocal parts do you have in one song? At parts, the most? you mean? Oh, some of them have at least 15 or 20 if there's a chorus in the background, and you double each part so that you can't hear any of the sort of flutterations or idiosyncrasies in that particular harmony line, if that's what you're looking for, like a perfectly smooth background ah or something. So yeah, you just stack them and stack them and stack them. And like at this point, it's actually probably one of my favorite things to do is I've gotten good enough at it that it's sort of just innate in me now, like how to stack a chord. And it's really exciting to sit here with the microphone right in front of your face and your hand on the mouse and hit record and hit stop and hit record and know where that next one is and the next one is. And then, you know, uh, three minutes later, you've got this booming chorus. And you have to be careful, though. You don't want to, like, Joni Mitchell out too much, you know. I, I sometimes think she overdid her own thing. But you know what I think it was? I think it was that uh, she... <laughs> kept the idiosyncrasies of her main voice she put that into the background vocals which i guess she just was trying not to disguise that that was her so that's fair enough i suppose but i wanted it i didn't really want it to broadcast that it was me it gives it a sound that is really full but yet organic in the sense that it, it's full but subdued i can hear that it is you but the more times it becomes layered Right. It becomes a fuller chorus that it, it's almost like it's not you. It becomes something that is different than your voice. Yeah. For sure. And I think because of the, some of these tracks have been, um, I don't listen to them once they're actually, the records are printed and finished. But leading up to that point, I really enjoy listening to them. And I think that's sort of what you're talking about because I don't enjoy, if I made a recording of myself singing, playing guitar, I wouldn't have any interest in hearing, in sitting outside on the back porch listening to that. But when there's some sort of transformative thing where it doesn't feel like the me, solo live tape, you wouldn't want to no, hear again. No, I don't really like listening to like live recordings or anything <laughs> like that. As many of them as you've given me, which I appreciate. You're not going to get another one. No, I have a box. <laughs> Somebody will appreciate that when you're yeah, dead. Yeah. It's fun, and, and you know, by no means, I don't think these things are overproduced. And they're actually all of the songs, like the Velvet Rut, all of the songs were recorded, all the parts, on the day that they were written. So they're not extremely labored, intensive. Once I finish a song, I'm sort of almost in a panic. I pour a glass of wine because I'm excited that I've finished a song. And so then, as soon as that glass of wine hits, the window starts to close. 
back end window, you know. And so I've got a couple hours there to go. Maybe if I take it easy, I can make it four hours or something. But as things are going better and better, I start to celebrate more and more. And it's usually not till the following morning that I wake up and find out if I got anything at all. Both the Velvet Rut and this, there was maybe 25 songs that were whittled down to this. Lots that didn't work. What do you do with those songs? The other ones? Yeah. Mm, nothing, really. They're on a hard drive somewhere, but they're not good. They didn't work. And it's not just that like, I didn't succeed in finding the right production. Do you let anybody hear those songs no. to make that decision as well? No. And both no this record and the last record, I wasn't intentionally making a record. I just, like, for some reason, was writing a whole lot of songs at one point and recording them and then all of a sudden both times it it dawned on me actually for this one someone else said hey you've written a lot of songs recently do you think you have a record and again it hadn't occurred to me for some weird reason and so the last two records have sort of popped out of nowhere which has just been a real blessing because it has been zero on the stress scale of oh my gosh you're gonna make a record so you had the 25 songs and then you listened to them again yeah. and picked out of them. Yeah, and then tightened a few screws, redid a couple of them, just like I think two of them, and that was it. It was done. It's interesting, I was talking to Dave Rawlings, mm-hmm. and I had heard him do a song that those of us that had heard it had called Bottom of the Sea, that I thought was one of the most spectacular songs I'd ever heard him and Gillian do. And as the new album came out, The Dave Rawlings Machine, and then Gillian's Whenever It Comes Out, it's been, what, seven years, Yeah, I mentioned that song to him. And he said, oh, that was a throwaway. We'd have to learn that over. It didn't make the cut. Uh. And I said, oh, man, that's one of the best songs I've ever heard you do. And he looked at me in kind of an intimidating piercing, but with a good sense of humor way, he said, oh, so you don't think we picked the right songs? but what it made me feel was you may want to revisit it because it had this incredible effect and some of those other songs well if you you, have a different ear you may find you have another album i tell you i do uh, i don't show them i do end up like sending maybe 17 to a few friends and saying which of these do we need to cut and that kind of stuff so i guess i kind of do do that but the others i I get to have some executive decision well there you go (laughs) yeah down a corner on Dixie Lane A corner to you on the mind, oh my Down a valley to see a light bulb Down to the base of Mexico Down to the base of Mexico I tell you, baby, on the side of that road Lord, I'm telling you on that coffee road. Down of mama, I see the coffee ride down to the edge of the night on night. Down to the edge of the night on night. I see Is that a 12 string ovation I see there? Oh, God, don't broadcast that. Is that some? Well, it's turned around, so I figured you probably use it that for percussion. String. It is a 12 string. No, that classical guitar over there, though, see with the one string? Uh-huh. That is used for percussion. I see. I bang it with the spoon, and it goes bring, 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 and I fret it with the other hand. But no, the 12 string is a horrible instrument. I don't think it's mine. No, it's Jeff Romano's. 
It can only be strummed because I swear to God, there's like half an inch between each string. I don't know how it like spreads out like a like a highway going away from you. <laughs> it's real fat at the bottom and skinny at the top. In a snowstorm, you can always use it to toboggan yeah. or something. Oh, I would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and that over there. That is my first guitar. It's a Sigma, uh, which is a copy Martin. And this is strung. This is strung in a way it's called high strung. So basically you take your high three strings, your G, your B, and your E, and then you put another set of those strings on the bottom, but you tune them to standard tuning. So like, you know what I mean? Like. So, ah. so anyway, what it ends up sounding like, it's got all these like, overtones that uh, because you're playing the same tone on different strings <laughs> it's pretty nice and I, I hear they're called it's called Nashville strung but I've always called it high strung but it makes a nice shimmer in the background Thank you. 
Folk and Beyond on the road. This is Air Steven with Paul Carreri at Paul Carreri's private studio. Did you have a trip to Africa? Yeah, we went to Africa in um, September, I think, of last year, to Nairobi. So California was made before that trip. Yeah, that's right. I hear some of the Africa influence definitely in the soundtrack. Yeah, well, that was after Africa. I hear different things some rhythms and some phrasings and some somewhat repetitive. They establish this feeling, um, it's a wide, fat groove. Yeah, I, I think you mean like those sort of droney licks that yeah. kind of are circular. I, I really love that stuff, the, stu- the licks that um, you can't stop playing them because the, the last note sounds better if you play the first note. After the After last it, note. And so you can't stop. So you can't get the second when it happens again. Yeah. <laughs> what was the influence that brought that into your music? Oh, I don't know. I spent uh, a couple of years ago, I started listening to um, a whole lot of Ali Farcatori. That was on the heels of uh, <laughs> my reggae period, which was just to cheer myself up. But the reason that I liked listening to Ali Farcatori was... Uh, it was sort of the same reason that I couldn't listen to any more guitar music back in the day, um, because like, I knew I couldn't maybe play exactly what people were playing, but I understood how they were doing it. And it was becoming like kind of limiting and mathy in my head, and so I started listening to a lot of jazz played on other instruments that I couldn't understand, and I was able to sort of enjoy the music again. And so with Ali Farcatori, all of a sudden, I just needed to be listening to people singing, for one, but in a, in a language where I didn't know the words. And, uh, and so, like, the interpretation of what the song could be about remained sort of wide open. It never had to get, you know, its ass nailed to the train tracks. And, like, you know, you can... It's like when you're writing a song and you haven't written the words yet, the possibilities of what this could be are so beautiful and endless and invariably you write something and it may be good but it's not endless like it was back then and it's probably disappointing in some manners so you know there was just like and, and even when I read some of the lyrics of what Ali Farcatori was saying they were so awesomely uh, cryptic and simple and this was so, the translation yeah then. the translation that's right you know there'd be like um song about like a guy who just can't get the knot tied on his sack (laughs) he just can't get it and you know i remember one day i was in the shower and i was just thinking gosh maybe it's not time to put the knot on the sack yet there's still more stuff to put in that sack and so it was like little tiny things like that that were so simple if i've even bothered to read the lyrics the translation that it just made me really think a lot and uh feel a lot and uh, come back to just the, you know, and there's so much in common with that kind of music and John Lee Hooker and stuff, you know, there's just this sort of desert bluesy pentatonic scale for the most part. I don't know, it, it just hit right away. I loved it. And then from there I got into uh, things like, more like juju music, King Sunny Day and stuff like that. And yeah, so when I went over to Africa with Devin, we were studying, collaborating with these guys in a style called Benga. It's kind of fast. There's a low guitar and there's a high guitar and they do a harmony. Very circular. Usually just G, C, D or one, four, five chords. But man, the rhythms, the thumb rhythms are really, really difficult. They, uh, most of them are going half speed. 
So like we would go dong ding dong ding dong ding dong ding dong ding dong ding dong they'd go bong dong 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 bong 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 dong dong which is hard to do and play at the the top end melody at the same time but so whenever I get a high five from one of these old gentlemen it really meant a lot especially meant a lot because a lot of times I didn't get high fives and they'd say no 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 and then talk to the translator who would I think say things a little more kindly to me. Did you record any of that music? Yeah, it's it's um, being produced by a guy over in England who is actually a, he's more of a DJ that uses uh, ethnic music, and so he was the producer of that project. And so I just received the DVD in the mail from him, and I'm supposed to record some more overdubs on some of the music. And we're doing a tour in February where these Africans are coming to England. And Devin and I are going there to meet them and do like three or four sort of government-sponsored shows because the budget's going to be high. Oh, that must have been pretty brain-expanding as you were going through the different rhythms that would happen with the different musicians. And so you were able to pick it up through the repetitions live as opposed to recording it, watching and going home and working on it and coming back the next day and saying, okay, I got it now. Yeah, we actually only did like one or two proper recordings. It was more than all of our rehearsals were being recorded just to keep track of it all so that we could at later point do more proper recordings. And I think I had listened to enough music like that that um, as long as it's sort of in your ear, you know, it's just a sort of matter of muscles at that point versus like having to memorize how something goes. hard as as I thought it was going to be and fa- I mean and I say that proudly like <laughs> I was really pleased that I was able to do it but yeah man what a weird weird trip I mean we'd be like isolated in this little concrete room which was sort of heavenly in a way um, but there's like guys with AK-47s at the end of our little it was essentially a parking lot with lots of concrete rooms on the outside of it with a big gate on the front and that's how you drove your car in you drove by a big painting of Obama and then the guys with the AK-47s down there, and then you play with these musicians, and it's paradise, and then you leave, and it's the worst traffic I've ever seen on Earth, and the worst smog, because there's no emission standards. And ironically, you're not allowed to smoke on the street, because, you know, that would be bad for your health. But you can't even breathe. <laughs> and, like, and so then we'd go all the way back to this super nice hotel, which the English Arts Council had decided to put us in, where there's two checkpoints with AK-47s, and then you get in there, and it's like waterfalls and croaking frogs and all this. So it was just so strange every day to go from that one nice place to the other nice place, and then, but in between, it was just sort of chaos, you know. But it, it was like the best week of my life, I think. The project you did for the Discovery Channel. Mm, it's called Greenhorns. You sent me an email today when I asked for a title of mm-hmm. one of the songs, and, and I found your response pretty interesting. What was the word you used? Pretentiousville? 
if oh, you named yeah, them. Because they're all instrumentals and there are singing in them, but no words. Although <laughs> I think that, yeah, anyway. If I, there are words, it's, a, it's almost a different language that you made up. Yeah, some of it's reversed and like, and, but anyway. It's, uh, it's, uh, and, reversed, and, you, re- you used a word and then played it backwards? Is that what um, you Actually reversed? reversed it and then copied how that sounded and sang the reverse sound forwards. And so, um, but, but anyway. guy. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so I was going to name them all, but then as I wrote to you, I thought it was just like a, a super highway toward pretentiousville, you know, what am I going to call this, you know, uh, you know, dawn rises and the chicken goes to college. Tell me a little bit about the Discovery Channel and how that happened and, and how you ended up with a, a project where you're just doing an instrumental. Yeah, this woman named Severin, she was an acquaintance of mine from out in California. I used to play at her college and then she got into sort of alternative young farming and, and trying to raise awareness and she was trying to uh, broadcast the idea that being a farmer was hip and cool and it was something that young people should get into. And so they started making this film. and. And she contacted me about doing a soundtrack for it. And uh, this was someone who had contacted me over the years about various things. And they were always sort of cockeyed and half-cooked. And um, But then this one, she was like, oh, and I think it looks like the Discovery Channel is going to pick it up. And also, we're pretty heavily associated with Farm Aid now. And I was like, oh, let me call you right back. Yes. I, and so... Which means you'll be on the bridge benefit any day. Any day. And I don't know a whole lot about young, sustainable farming, but she told me an awful lot about it. She came to Charlottesville and, and I took a lot of notes. And, and so I just made this record in, sort of in the spirit of what she was trying to do. Just has a sense of humor to it, but there's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of repetition sort of. And um, so, I don't know. I haven't seen the film myself. It might not even be finished. Plus, it's kind of cool, as I was listening to it, I think, you know, I could just uh, make up my own words to it and then send it to Paul and see if there's a song there. Mm. You wouldn't be the first person to do that. (laughs) It'd be like we co-wrote the song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love to do more stuff like that, though. It It was great. It was really exciting. I did it all in about two weeks, and so...
Were you classically trained as far as when you write your music? Do you ever put it to paper? And no, I don't know how to read music. Ah. So you work with one four fives and drop sevens and oh, things like I, that? Oh, I know theory. I played the piano forever. Not that I'm any good, but I very much understand it. So yes, uh, numbers come into play. If Numbers specifically come into play if I'm using a capo. And so then I don't want to be shouting, having to do a conversion in my head, like, okay, this is a C shape, but I'm on the fourth fret. So that makes it a blah, blah, blah. And so instead, I just shout the next number off of the root, you know, and everybody seems to be able to do that. This is Air Steven with Folk and Beyond. I've been talking with Paul Carreri at his home studio, a studio where many stories can be told that he didn't tell us, I am sure. It's been a pleasure to be here, and, and thanks so much, Paul. Air, yeah, thanks so much for coming over. Beside the high beams, this side of darkness, it's all still heavenly. Down by the water, down by the water, out in the moonlight, white teeth sharper man. Down by the water, rooted in the soil, back scratching sky, one foot in the finite. One foot and divine Down by the water Your sons and daughters Mile-long love line Mile-long eyelash Dogs are howling Want to get closer Everything matters down by the water, rooted in the soil, back scratching sky, one foot in the finite, one foot in divine, down by the water, doing what they are. Back 
scratching sky One foot in the finite One foot in divine Folk and Beyond with Air Stephen for a journey into contemporary folk music from all over the planet.